Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Just recently, I was um, alerted to a study by the Barna Group, spelled B-A-R-N-A, and this is a uh, a research um, organisation in the United States that, in particular, studies um, uh, from a, a social point of view um, the interaction of science and um, and religion, and um, and and also other social impacts on spirituality and 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 so forth. Um, it's used as a source often. Their their statistics and their studies, their surveys that they do are used by uh, major news networks and so forth. And in uh, 2019, one of the studies that they did uh, revealed that science is one of the main reasons why young adults, uh, 18 to 35 years old, doubt um, uh, things of the um, you know spiritual things, um, and uh, when they drilled down into to this, um, only about twelve percent of professing Christian teens believed that the Bible uh, was inspired and infallible and and true and and the authoritative word of God. In an earlier study, um, apparently back in uh, a year earlier in 2018, uh, the Barna Group found that the two biggest excuses why millennials, so their young people born between 1980 and 1999, reject the Christian faith, essentially boiled down to um, their belief that science refutes the Bible and uh, also they didn't want to believe in um, fairy tales. So, uh, And this resulted, of course, from a, a lot of people, uh, these young people thinking, well, you know, the, the account of Noah's flood and the ark and the animals going into the ark, this sort of thing, is sort of like a, a fairy tale. But what uh, people don't realise is that the, the major, you know, theories that are talked about, that, are, that they're taught at school uh, to explain how we are here, uh, such as theory of evolution and the Big Bang, are really, are really uh, fairy tales because they're actually not substantiated by uh, science. You know, just um, recently I was reading a a report on uh, some results from the international research team uh, examining images from the James Webb Webb, uh, telescope. And this was um, uh, an article that was reported in uh, Science Daily on sciencedaily.com on the 22nd of February in 2023. Uh, Essentially, the title of the article was University of Colorado at Boulder, James Webb's super old massive galaxies that shouldn't exist. So it was a press release by the University of Colorado at Boulder and the title was James Webb, um, which is the telescope, um, spots super old massive galaxies that shouldn't exist. And essentially was that uh, the research team examining the images from the James Webb telescope reported finding six galaxies as big as our Milky Way galaxy, 
But this was on the way um, in the very, very distant reaches of our galaxy because uh, according to their theory, these um, uh, images should have uh, formed only you know, 500 to 700 million years after the alleged Big Bang, which is too early for the theory uh, because they appear remarkably modern. In other words, they um, appear, they're fully developed and, and so forth. And, they sh- and so according to the Big Bang theory, you know, um, all this gas and everything uh, formed from energy or little particles formed and then they clustered together and it should have taken them a long time to form the star structures of and galaxies like our Milky Way. And so when the stars the most distant from us should represent the the youngest ones and therefore closest to the Big Bang just after the supposed Big Bang happened, but yet here they are formed as if they're, you know, um, fully, you know, developed like ours. And uh, the paper that reported this um, in Nature, um, Erica Nelson uh, was the author, said um, you don't expect the early universe to be able to organise itself that quickly. These galaxies should not have had time to form. And so, again, there's so much evidence that refutes, for example, uh, the Big Bang Theory, and I've you know, talked about this in, in other programs. A major article was um, in uh, Scientific American in February 2017 called Pop Goes the Universe, where top astrophysicists again said the, you know, the Big Bang Theory, or, and particularly inflation theory, which underpins the Big Bang Theory, isn't even scientific. And so there's so much misinformation. You know, most people don't realise that the one-way speed of light has never been measured and in actual fact can't be measured. You know, there, there, there's things like this. And when we come to the theory of evolution itself, we know now from our biochemistry that it's absolutely impossible. And one of the, the fascinating things that, um, you know, you know, there, there's just so much evidence around and... and much of it is about everyday things, and that's what I'd like to talk about today, the, uh, our nervous system. And the, one of the things that really concerns me when I read these statistics is, um, the, as I said, the number of young people that are rejecting the, the Bible. We have so much evidence that supports the, the Bible account too. So... You know, science refutes evolution and the Big Bang Theory, really. that Those theories are only still taught in education systems because they don't want to have to teach about creation, that there was a God. And that's the only other explanation that we have. We have so much evidence for creation. We also have overwhelming evidence for the historical accuracy as far as we can go back and and have uh, comparative secular records. They all confirm the accuracy of the Bible in detail. Um, in fact, the Bible in many cases has had records that, and, uh, of, and accounts of things um, that were discovered you know, only in recent times and verified to be correct. In other words, archaeologists hadn't realised um, some of the detail that the the Bible gave 
and doubted it, but then uh, subsequently it's all been proved and, and verified. And then, of course, we have the outstanding prophecies of the Bible. You know, these, uh, and, and there's hundreds of prophecies that have been recorded and then fulfilled on time exactly as God revealed would, would happen. And so when you look at, as well as, of course, the personal testimony of people that they gave their lives to testify that the Bible was true and, and the massive um, attempts to wipe out the Christian faith, particularly early on in the Roman Empire, the terrible cruelty that Christians experienced, um, and yet it survived. Why? Because the people knew it was true. They'd seen the miracles. Um, the early people had seen the miracles of Jesus. There were people that had relatives that were healed by Jesus. These stories spread. They underpinned um, the faith of those people. They knew the accounts were real. And, of course, we have you know the historical uh, accounts that have been preserved in the in the Bible recorded, particularly in the New Testament, about Jesus. But, and so this is why, uh, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about these programs, like Faith and Science. And I would like to encourage uh, listeners to, you know, tell your friends about these programs. If you go on to um, and Google uh, 3ABN Australia, which is all one word, .org.au. Click on the radio button and then click on the list. And as you scroll down, there's you know over 100 um, talks that I've given there um, that cover a whole range of, of topics and answer a whole lot of questions. And if um, you can point the, you know, direct people to these talks that are there because the whole purpose of them is to help uh, people become aware of the massive amount of scientific evidence that we have now that confirms creation. And if there is creation, there's a creator God, a supermind, the evidence we have of a supermind that um, designed and created the amazing living organisms that we observe on our planet and the amazing structures too in our universe that provide the environment for our planet and are so interesting. Um, so uh, I'd really like to encourage you to put the links up on um, Facebook, on your so other social media pages, talk to friends about so that people can um, have their doubts uh, removed um, just a few days ago, I was invited to uh, give some talks at a, at a church and the program was advertised and, oh, a, a lot of people came and um, there were, I got so much positive feedback from uh, the presentations as I presented on, you know, evidence for, for Noah's flood, um, evidence that the Big Bang was uh, couldn't have happened. Um, that the theory doesn't fit the observed observations um, and evidence why evolution is impossible. And this can help encourage young people that they can believe the Bible is true because really it's a matter of eternal life and death um, when you think about it. If the Bible account is true that there is a loving God that wants to put an end to evil and recreate us, as um, 
again in a perfect world bring us back to life again after we've died or translate us if we're still alive when Jesus returns and for a brand new created world that he'll have that'll be populated by people that love God that choose him and choose that way this will be a really really wonderful place and people that uh, reject him turn away give up on life um, and give up on God rather um, they're going to miss out and this is why I'm so passionate about this. This is so important. God loves every one of us, and I see it as our role um, as those of us who believe uh, to encourage others uh, to believe. Um, there's tremendous hope here. There is a future for everyone that God has planned a wonderful future. And so getting back to the nervous system, you know, the, the nervous system is so complex that it powerfully refutes the whole notion that it could have arisen by blind, and remember I'm emphasising blind, random mutations to the chemical, some primitive chemical DNA structure. Remember, we need to remember that when mutations occur, they don't know what mutations are needed. Mutations, when they occur to the some, uh, you know, to the uh, DNA molecule in a living organism, and they, uh, essentially, the theory of evolution says that somehow the first living organism arose. They don't know how it arose, but they say that when that living organism arose, there were mutations and natural selection that ended up producing all the variety of different living organisms in, that we observe on planet Earth. And we know we have the, the DNA code that uh, essentially is uh, made up of a whole lot of what we call chemical bases or chemical compounds that we abbreviate ACT and G for simplicity. And these, co these chemical compounds are like a letter, like letters in an alphabet that can be read and the, and give instructions. And, of course, that's read. Uh, those instructions are read by a very complex machine, the ribosome. Over 300,000 atoms make up this molecular machine that reads the code and assembles uh, the food components, the, such as amino acids, assemble those fragments of, of food that have been broken down in the organism and assemble or in the cell and um, assembles them to make the, the new parts of the cell as re required. And so the code to construct the cell is made up of these letters, A, C, T and G. And so you can have structures like A, 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 C, C, T, C, G, 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 C, T, G, C, T, G, 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 T, C and so forth and goes on, millions of these codes, in actual fact, regulate and they're read by the machine and they, as a result of that code, all the different parts of us are assembled, nerve cells are assembled, all the different parts of nerve cells are assembled. And the important point is that we can change some of those letters in the code, can be changed by, you know, the effect of environmental factors, ultraviolet light, extreme heat, um, chemical compounds um, that can attack uh, the code, disrupt it and this sort of thing. Um, and there can be errors in the duplication of the, of the code. 
so that errors get uh, letters get out of place and so forth. But we need to understand that these environmental and copying uh, things are random. They're very random. They've got nothing to do with the needs of the organism. They've got nothing to do. Once you make a mutation, it's just blind and it's random. And when we look at the probability of these random changes producing something meaningful, it's absolutely impossible. It's mathematically impossible. It's just like if you didn't know the Latvian language, so you would say, born in a, a, a country where you spoke English and someone asked you to write out a recipe to bake a cherry pie and mix, you know, gather and mix the ingredients and so forth. In Latvian, you'd, you'd have a whole lot of difficulty, you know, typing away on the, on the typewriter and, and so forth um, in letters uh, that somebody uh, with the Latvian language could read or, you know, Persian language or, you know... Uh, Chinese language or Japanese language, um, you know that, you know, in a lifetime you'd probably never, by just randomly typing letters, type the instructions in those languages if you didn't know those languages. And in biology, the nervous system is a highly complex part of an animal that coordinates its actions and sensory information by transmitting the signals to and from the different parts of its body. And if that doesn't work properly, the body doesn't work properly. But the structure of the nervous system, according to theory of evolution, arose by these chance random mutations. But if it's not working properly, then the sensory information isn't going to be correct. It isn't going to be normal. And it's interesting, you know, John Lennox, professor of mathematics at University of Oxford, a well-known mathematician, that he talks to his unbelieving um, atheist friends and says, look, if your brain, if your nervous system arose by random chance mutations or any a machine like that, would you trust it? Would you trust it to be reliable? And he said it's interesting that all of them, without exception, say, no, I wouldn't trust it. You know, so we've, we've got this major problem there. And it, it's interesting that the nervous system is there. It, inv- it detects the environmental changes that impact the body and then works in tandem with the endocrine system to respond to such events. And so I'll talk about the endocrine system another time. It's interesting that invertebrates like us, um, it consists of two main parts, a central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. So the central nervous system is the brain and the spinal cord, whereas the peripheral nervous system actually consists of all these nerves that go out, you know, to all our fingertips, to all over our skin um, and so forth. And these nerves are enclosed bundles of long uh, fibre-like things that I talked about in another recent program on the brain called axons, that connect the central nervous system to every other part of the body, just about. And, of course, there are some things where we, we, we can't feel but ourself, but that doesn't mean that there aren't nerves there. The nerves that transmit the signals from the brain are called motor nerves, and those nerves that transmit information from the body to the central nervous system, of course, are called the sensory nerves. 
And um, so again, this system is is very, very complex. If we look at the peripheral nervous system, it's divided into three subsystems called the somatic, the autonomic, and the enteric nervous system. And the somatic uh, uh, nerves, they uh, essentially control voluntary movement. Uh, That's the movement that we can control. Um, moving your arm and so forth. The autonomic nervous system is further divided into the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So you've got your sympathetic nervous system um, is sort of something that, um, you know, it, it comes into action in emergencies and it, you know, mobilises energy. I, I can remember uh, jogging along a, a track on... Um, uh, on through this beautiful rainforest area and suddenly as I'm running along and I was right in front of me is this snake lying across the path and before I could think of it I realised I was flying through the air my body just suddenly gave a great big leap I didn't think about it my body just did it for me <laughs> so I leapt right over the, over the uh, snake um, and I thought, yeah, I was, I was really amazed. Wow. <laughs> so, um, well, and that's sort of the uh, uh, sympathetic nervous system, whereas the parasympathetic the, the nervous system uh, is activated actually when we're um, in a relaxed state. And, of course, the enteric uh, nervous system um, can, you know, controls, for example, the gastrointestinal system. And... Um, uh, the autonomic and the enteric uh, nervous systems function involuntary. So we can see that these systems, we wouldn't survive if we didn't have those nervous systems in place. Now, you know, you read the standard account and it says, you know, that, um, you know, the primitive organisms uh, began to have simple nervous systems that they evolved and all this sort of thing. So what you've got to have is, right, as your little organism and your first little worm evolves and this sort of thing, and has a different shape, you know, it's got a mouth and an anus and it's got a reproductive system, a digestive system and all this sort of thing. The nerves, right, that control that, all those systems, the uh, you know, the anus vector, the mouth parts, um, the reproductive parts, the digestive parts, all the different muscles and so forth to move food through the body are all controlled by nerves, right, and uh, connected to the nervous system. They respond to different impulses and, and so forth. They all have to arise at exactly the same time as these physical structures are arising, right? They have to arise by blind, random mutations to the code. And I think we can see that, and you you don't have to be a a brilliant mathematician to realise that the probability of those structures forming by blind, random mutations that just happen to match perfectly and connect to perfectly those structures that are forming, also that are formed by blind, random mutations, we're all going to work and be coordinated together. You know, um, it, it's just so obvious. It, it isn't going to happen. And I think one of the, the things that when I read the accounts of evolution, um, you know, in different articles on the internet and in different textbooks and so forth, 
people are, de- uh, are describing these physical structures and one looks similar to the other and so it changes into the other and so forth. But what they don't realise is that the codes are vastly different. It's not as if you've just changed one or two letters to produce these simple changes. You've got to change thousands of letters in such a way that it all still perfectly coordinates. You know, when we look at the nervous system and at its function, um, and, the, in the, of course, the cells in the, in the system, I've described some of them before, the neurons, they have special structures that allow them to send signals rapidly and precisely to the other cells. They send these signals in the form of electrochemical impulses that travel along the, you know, the thin fibre parts of those uh, neurons called axons. Um, and they can be uh, directly transmitted then to other cells through the electrical synapses and all this sort of thing. It's extremely complex chemistry that's also involved. Um, and um, the, the com- complexity is, is, is huge. And even, you know, uh, sort of animals like jellyfish have nervous systems. Um, you know, corals... They do, and um, and all these. Well, they have a very primitive nervous system. Um, once we get to um, you know the more complex uh, uh, animals, um, you know from more or less worms upwards, uh, they have a brain, and they have huge numbers. Of, you know, and even when they get in the in the simplest worms, their brains involve hundreds of cells. We have about 86 billion cells, and African elephants have about 300 billion cells in their brain. And again, all these cells are all different types of cells that are involved. They, um, they vary hugely um, in the, the role and the structures that they play. You know, um, when we think about that and that all these things have to, um, you know, be produced by the code. In my view, it provides powerful evidence that refutes evolution, that it couldn't um, um, arise. We need to understand the theory of evolution was developed before people knew about things like uh, neurons. You know, perhaps it's difficult now to believe that it wasn't until about 1900 that it was known that neurons are the basic units of the brain. Um, and chemical transmission in the brain was not known until about you know, 1930. It was in the, the 1950s that we began to understand the electrical structure. And it wasn't until the 1960s that we became aware of how basic neuronal networks work. You know, so the to un, have a, a system that complex that's taken so long for scientists to work out, um, in my view, again is again powerful evidence of a supreme supernatural creator that made us and designed our brain so that we can communicate with him and get to know him and love him. And, of course, that's the account in the Bible. You've been listening to Faith and Science. 
Remember, if you want to re-listen to these programs, uh, just Google 3abnaustralia.org.au and click on the radio button and look for Faith and Science. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.